Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack coming here live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. All right. Uh, the NFL got to take a couple deep breaths. The Rams got to take a victory lap. But now it's back to work this week, and it will be busy in Indianapolis. Uh, we will have the annual combine, although it almost didn't come off without a hitch. That's just one of the things we're going to talk about with our next guest. Busy guy will be in Indy all next week. He is the lead draft analyst for YahooSports.com, our buddy Eric at home. E.E., you ready to get to Indy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's a little dry for me, but uh, I, I like it. I'll get my music going, start thinking about the prospects, and uh, dive into a big week. Hey, if you're driving, it's better than getting on a plane. And I know we're doing well against COVID, but there are still many restrictions out there. So better to get behind the wheel, so good for you. All right, uh, let me start with this question before we even talk to the fact that we almost had a bubble and we don't quite know what kind of bubble it's going to be. It's just going to be a lesser bubble. But let me ask you this overall question first. If there are four major components to a team analyzing a potential prospect that they will take in the NFL draft, and those four things are their college career, tape in the games, everything else, uh, any all-star games that are played that they take part in, senior bowl and the like, which we know is so big a deal, the combine where everyone gets together and they put them in shorts and T-shirts and make them go through a bunch of drills, and then the individual workouts, the teams get to look at the players and they get to see them in their home stadium but get a, ch- a chance to talk to them a little bit. If those are the four parts of what goes into evaluating a player, how would you break them down percentage-wise? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I might be, you know, 5 or 10% off here or there, but I, I would say it's probably about – it depends on the player, but I'll say somewhere between 75 and 85% game tape, right? What they've shown in college to this point. If it's a small sample size, that, that's going to be a negative. If it's a, a large sample size, but, you know, the player didn't, didn't really hit his peak until his final year, okay, then there's questions, especially in this analytics era, right, about, you know, a, a later breakout age and things like that. But still, I would say it's somewhere in between there. And the reason I left it as a range is because some players will head to the combine with some serious injury slash character concerns, right? And so the two, in my opinion, most important elements of the combine are the medical evaluation and then the kind of the start of the interview process. Yes, some of the all-star players have have talked to teams already and, and whatnot, but 
you know, it's, it's a big deal. All the heavy hitters are there. These aren't just, you know, the area scouts doing background work. So, you know, for those players, maybe it's a little higher percentage given that the medical evaluation ultimately will determine what, what range they go in. Um, you know, the all-star games matter, right? If you go down to the senior bowl and play well, like a Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, you know, you're going to get a bump. You know, if you have or Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, what have you. You know, especially for the smaller school guys, or maybe you missed part of the season to injury or things like that. If you have a good senior bowl week, good east-west week, you know, you can you can really help yourself out. So, you know, maybe the remaining two are worth you know, somewhere between 5 and 10%, like the, the pro day uh, and then the all-star games. Because I don't think we can put an outsized, per, you know, percent of work on, on those things. But if you do step up against strong competition, uh, we, we want to, you know, recognize that. So it still comes back to the game tape and, and ultimately the health of the player are the biggest factors, I think. I'm very glad to hear you say that because the game tape is, is what you start with and it is the most important yeah. piece and those other things come afterwards and sometimes I think some people, maybe fans, maybe media members, hope, hopefully their yeah. teams, put too much of an emphasis on the things because we always remember what just happened the most recently uh, but uh, yeah. the all-important game tape is still the driving force. I'm very glad to hear that. All right, you mentioned the word analytics. The combine has kind of been ahead of the game with that because analytics have been driving the combine for many years because that's basically what it is, measurements, uh, your physical yeah. measurements, your time measurements and the like. We've now added that into the All-Star Games and the regular season with being able to know how many miles per hour a guy is running during a route during a game. How big is analytics? It used to be pretty damn big and now it seems even bigger. How big is it in the eyes of the NFL teams? Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many aspects uh, of the analytic studies that they do. For instance, you know, what, what, what position produces the most talent among undrafted free agents? Which position, you know, tends to bust the highest in round one? Those are, those are analytic studies that are done. Uh, and at least, you know, shapes a, a, a draft um, organizations thinking, right? At least their their general direction. It's not going to be more of a rule of thumb than it is, you know, a, a hard and fast thing. You know, so um, you also want to look at, like you said, you know, the players have the, the zebra technology where the players get these little GPS devices, and you know, you not only can measure how fast they move in pads, which is a you know a good football measurement compared to the the combine sprints and whatnot. So it, it also measures you know, quickness and change of direction, things like that, agility, you know, all those things matter. Um, and we've gotten these advanced stats now. And, you know, obviously pro football focus is kind of the, the well-known public uh, stat driver there, but other teams also keep track of, you know, how many times an offensive lineman is on the ground, right? I mean, that's something that Bill Parcells used to harp about years ago, but now we can kind of have a easier time putting a number on it, a percentage and things like that. You know, does arm length matter for an offensive tackle or a cornerback? Does height matter for a receiver? Can a running back run a four six and still be good? These are all the, the the aspects that go into it. And so, you know, teams have entire analytic departments now, where you know three, four, five people who are crunching numbers and, and looking at trends and trying to figure out what factors are we putting too much attention towards and what are we putting not enough towards and also coming up with new metrics as well. So the irony would be that, you know, the 40 yard dash 
look, how many positions actually run in a straight line 40 yards, right? <laughs> You're on kickoff coverage, you know, maybe a receiver running a nine route, that sort of thing. It matters. It's part of the equation. But that seems to be less important unless the number is so far out of whack compared to the rest of their, their positions and things like that. So I think in time – we, we may do away with the bench press and the, and, the, and the 40 and maybe even the three-cone drill to a certain degree. But for now, it's a TV event. The teams still care on some level, and you know we're going to get a whole lot of it next week and, and the week after. All right, get home from Yahoo Sports. Talking draft with us here on CBS Sports Radio. You mentioned medical evaluation. And that was one of the sticking points. Last week, uh, there was a group of agents that said they had the power to withhold 150 players, advise them not to go if they didn't unbubble it, which meant allowing them to have their individual coaches and their uh, nutritional guys there. And it was going to be a lockdown more than anything else. And the NFL slash combine relented. And one of the complaints was 32 different medical examinations. I see that as quite understandable. A team wants to let their own doctor look at a kid. They got faith in their doctor. They want to know what they know and the way they know it. Uh, Where does that sit? Are all the players still going to be examined by every single team or every single team that asks for a medical examination on them? Yeah, and you can understand the frustration of of, of agents and players, you know, having to be poked and prodded and looked at by by so many different teams and whatnot. Typically what they do is they they go in these little pods where they're grouped out into groups of, I don't know, I think it's like five, six, maybe seven teams that that share their medical information. And then when issues crop up, let's say, you know, an old high school injury that didn't heal right or a a surgery that that was complicated and and fairly recent and you want to you know, uh, get the MRI and, and also look at the player, you know, and, and do a second evaluation, a second opinion on somebody, you know, then those players can be kind of held back a little bit. So there's always going to be, you know, especially the ones with the, the longer list of injuries and the more complicated stuff, those players, whether they like it or not, are always going to be sort of held back for a little bit extra time. That's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, teams are obviously – doing such thorough work they know about if you broke your ankle in sixth grade right? <laughs> <laughs> these, these massive files that they compile and the schools that the you know the players come from obviously kind of help them with some of that stuff too in most cases not all but most so yeah i mean it, it the good news is that the agents have kind of gotten what they wanted in some respects not all but they have a little more freedom where they can go this week you know they can move around and they're not sort of stuck in the, in the hotel or lucas oil um, I think there was there was a big hang up on working out on the field and also bench pressing the same day. I don't believe they fixed that. I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know, but um, you know they were able to kind of get these guys the freedom as far as being able to move around and also have, like you said, their entourage there, their nutritionist, their trainer, their physical therapist, their sprint coach, whatever they, you know, whatever people they're bringing with. It was limited to one before, and they said, no, come on. You know, we've let this thing grow into a monster. You can't just have us bring one person out of a, you know, the auspice of safety, and that's that's now been rectified. So, I I, I think that most players are going to work out now, unless they're unable to because of injury. And uh, I think we should have a good week next week. 
If I made this statement about the National Football League, it has become such a pass-dominant league that teams put more emphasis on players that have the most direct effect on the passing game on both sides of the ball. On offense, that basically is everybody except running backs, and they can still be pretty damn effective, but just not as much as receivers and or tight ends. Certainly the five guys up front who have to block and the guy who's going to throw the ball. So the running back has been de-emphasized on the offensive side. On the defensive side, linebackers and safeties. Corners are still key because they got to cover those very talented wide receivers. Sure. Defensive linemen are going to try and get the ball out of the quarterback's hand, if not kill him first, as quickly as possible. Will we see that emphasized in the draft this year? A downplay of safeties, linebackers, and running backs. So we've got some really interesting test cases this year because I'll just kind of go through them quickly. Jordan Davis, if you've watched him from, from, uh, from Georgia, 360-pound nose tackle who, you know, if this was 1989 or even 1999 for that matter – he might be the number two or three pick in the draft. I mean, this, this, is, this dude's a monster. The problem is they took him out on passing downs. He played about 25 snaps a game at Georgia. Really talented player. He's not really a pass rusher, though. He's more of that space-eating, you know, Ted Washington with light feet almost, you know. And there's going to be a real debate about where he goes. He's such a freakish guy that, look, every team could possibly use him, right? But – some teams won't value it because of what you just laid out there. So, you know, maybe a team like the Patriots says, you know what, we like those guys. We'll find a way to use them. So that's certainly one of them. Leo Chennault from uh, Wisconsin is this big sort of strapping, hulking, old-school-looking linebacker, you know, 265 pounds or whatever he is. I think he'll test out really well next week, which will, you know, if you watched him in college, he was, he was a blister, yes, so that helps the pass game. But he was also sort of a run guy, too. So I think that, that, that raises the question, how much value can a player like that have on third down? Is he just a blister, or can he cover as well? Uh, safety, you mentioned, too. You know, Kyle Hamilton is probably – there aren't many consensuses in, in the draft. I, don't, I haven't talked to a team that doesn't have him as their number one safety. The question now becomes, how high do you take a safety? We've had some that go very high in the draft, Jamal Adams, right? And, and, you know, even though he didn't play like the number, you know, what, six overall pick or whatever he was, he was still traded for two first-round picks. So there was yep. still like a, you know, and so it's like Kyle Hamilton could fit in that, in that space where he might be the no questions asked best safety in the draft. He's a, he's a rare physical specimen. He's got the football IQ you're looking for. But do you take them at number three or five or eight? I mean, that's where the analytics also come in, too. How much does the safety matter in today's game? A lot, a little, depends on the player. But, you know, that's a great question and a great example of how the, the game, the, today's game matters, but you also need great players. And, and that just, you know, comes down to a debate of where you end up taking these guys. I happen to be a fan of N'Kobe Dean. I think he's the best yeah. linebacker in this draft, and I think he's a game-wrecker type. I, I like Devin Lloyd of Utah. There's not that much of a difference, but I certainly would rank Dean number one. Uh, when do you think a linebacker's going to come off the board? Yeah, and, and, and he, you know, for a guy who his weigh-in is going to be fascinating, right? I mean, he, 
you know, we saw, for instance, Devin White go number, what, five in the draft years back and, you know, had some great moments during the Super Bowl run. I don't think played as well last year, but still a player, you know, or, or for instance, uh, Roquan Smith from, from Chicago. I mean, he was the number six or seven or eight pick in the draft, whatever he was. Another guy who's light, and I think Dean is going to end up measuring a little bit smaller than both of them. Now, they both had coverage ability. They had blitzing ability. They were tremendous athletes. I think Kobe Dean is as well. You also watch him get people lined up and, you know, call out teammates for mistakes. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's a dude. But the size is really going to be a prohibitive factor for some teams. Now, you know, the, the kid that the, the Browns took in round two, there were some medical questions uh, for, for him, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but Notre Dame kid, uh, at linebacker, another undersized right. guy. A lot of people projected him as sort of a safety hybrid, if you will, and, and that same debate theoretically could come up for N'Kobe Dean, even though he's played in the box most of his life. So, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be the first guy off the board, but I do think the team that gets him as long as they have a – you know, some, some burly guys in front of him keeping blocks off of him, he could end up being a, a tremendous football player. I, I agree. He's, he's absolutely fun to watch. I would guess there's at least one, if not as many as three linebackers in round one. Jeremiah, Osoa Karamoa. I believe I just botched his name, but now we both know who you were referring to. And, yes, you do have to factor in the fact that Mr. Dean had that massive DT in front of him, Mr. Walker, last year, which helped him out. But I still love the kid. I think he's just a stone-cold stud. All right, can't let you go without asking your QB question. Have you put out an official first mock, second mock? How many are you up to? Good question. Maybe three? three. I try not okay. to go crazy on the mock draft prior to the combine because I realize, look, we haven't had grades yet. You know, we don't know what the right. kids' weights and 40 times are. But I think I've done three to this point because, you know, people love mock drafts. you got to throw they them do. out there. I know that, and I'm not knocking you or mocking you. I'm uh, actually proud that you've only done three to this point. Good for you. You've, you, you've shown some uh, toughness by not putting out more. Um, but I, I'm not asking you about a mock. I'm just t- asking pure player rankings, position irrelevant, just the talent level that the player has. Do you have a listing of the top 20, 50, 100 players? Have you grouped them at all in that way? I've started that process, so what I'm going to probably do is sort of launch my rankings right after the combine. I get a lot okay. of information there, what we see on TV. But, yeah, I'm, I'm about halfway through, maybe two-thirds of the way through that right now. And so I've got a pretty good feel of how my rankings are going to be, but nothing you know, stamped in ink or, or put on the Internet yet. Fair enough. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to guesstimate here then. Sure. Um, where, what number do you think the first quarterback you're going to rate will be overall? I, I love the phrasing of the question because the idea is that, look, you know, even if a quarterback goes in the top ten this year, which, I, you know, it, it doesn't always happen, but it more often than not does. And I suspect that if – you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't go somewhere else, or if, you know, Russell Wilson isn't traded, Sean Watson, the needs for quarterbacks could be high, and somebody will get reached for, for a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett. I like both of them. I really do. I just don't know that they're, you know, uh, they're both different players. Sam Howell, same thing, you know, Matt Corral, what have you. But I would, that's a great question. I would probably say the first one ends up somewhere in the low 20s, which means probably a second round grade because. 
I don't give out 32 first-round grades. Most NFL teams, in fact, every NFL team does not. Right. The number of first, true first-round grades in a good draft might be 20, 21, 22. This year, it might be 15 to 18. You know, So my guess is that my first quarterback will come somewhere between 20 and 29. I don't know exactly where, but that's probably what we're talking about. Is Pickett your number one guy right now? It probably, if, if we're in a league now where Josh Allen and, and that type of quarterback is all the rage, um, and again, I want to rank them how I think they're going to end up as pros, and a lot of right. it's based on conversations with people around the league, but with that as the backdrop, having watched these, these, these incredible sort of dual threat talents, you know, Malik Willis means a lot of work, but if you're going to gamble on one quarterback in this draft to potentially be great, I don't think Kenny Pickett will ever be great. I don't think he'll be bad either. I just think he'll just sort of be in that Jared Goff space where, you know, you're always in the back of your mind thinking you can do a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, again, I think he's he made a huge jump this last year. He's got some moxie. He's a better athlete than people say. You know, he put up some bonkers numbers this year. But I, I also feel like there's a limit to what he could do. And Howell might be a guy that, that sneaks up on some people – Corral is interesting as well. You know, I mean, Desmond Ritter's underrated, I guess, in some respects. Carson Strong can shoot it. But if I'm going to gamble on traits, I'm probably thinking Malik Willis or Sam Howell and maybe Ritter as well. And that's going to probably bump him above a guy like Pickett. So they'll be close. I think it'll be like Willis 23rd and, you know, Pickett 25th. Or what have you. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of how I probably will, will end up ranking them. Fair enough. Last thing. Do you know if any or all of these guys are throwing this week and how much stock do you put in the way the guy spins it at the combine? Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I would guess Matt Corral is going to throw. I actually talked to him the other day and didn't think that. I have a couple weeks ago, but, um, you know, didn't think to ask him. But no, actually, I, I take that back. I think he did tell me that he planned to do all the workouts. So, uh, I'll have to go back and look at my notes for sure, but I would be surprised this year. There is no Trevor Lawrence in this class, isn't that? Not even a, you know, Justin Fields, you know, somebody who's had two back-to-back, you know, really strong years or whatever. I, I just sort of feel like all these guys have something to answer, and there's such competition. There's very little separating, you know, the, the top five, six, maybe even seven quarterbacks. So I would guess there's a pretty pretty strong, if not 100% participation rate this week. It's going to be uh, fun. I know where you'll be uh, watching when the yep. quarterbacks throw, if you've got that many throwing, because there are major questions to be answered. You answered a bunch for us tonight. We appreciate that. Great. Eric, I uh, hope to be able to get you on a couple times between now and the actual draft. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Of course. Yeah, my pleasure, and have a good rest of the weekend. My pleasure. Eric Edholm, uh, lead draft analyst for Yahoo Sports, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Jody Mack coming back. You know football is always a topic of conversation here on CBS Sports Radio. You want to talk combine? Do it. 855-212-4227. Get you on with the Mac Man here on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 